0: Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. I'm so blessed to be able to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. And why don't we stand to our feet as we get right in the word? We're going to open to Judges 4, verses 1 through 9. All right, ready? Let's go. Lord, Uh, Thank you. All right. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did, uh, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidith, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. Ephraim, And the children of Israel came to her, up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun, And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. All right, let's skip down to verse uh, 16. This is an exciting part, right? <laughs> but Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And when and Jael went out to meet Sisera... And said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk ew, and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say No. Then you just lie for me. Okay. Uh, then Jael, Heber's wife took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. And so he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said, come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And he went into her tent and there lay Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Amen. Yeah, well, (laughs) let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, which is a lamp into our feet and a light upon our path. Jesus, in you are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we're asking today, on this Mother's Day, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you're saying to us today. And God, I'm asking that you would anoint me to be able to communicate it in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have a funny little story uh, uh, about myself that I'm going to just tell you real quick. Uh, in the 1980s, I'm dating myself, uh, in the er- in the late 1980s, there was a movement all across America at different universities uh, where students and professors and different ones at universities were demanding that they divest from companies that supported apartheid in South Africa. Apartheid was a very uh, wicked and... Extreme form of segregation where they would separate the blacks and the whites down there. It was just really horrible, and the, there was a lot of or, uh, universities that had funds invested in companies down there, and so people were just sick of it. You know, that's when I think that song "Free Nelson Mandela." You know that song? Okay, he was in jail for a really long time. Anyway, uh, well, I happen to be going to the University of Colorado in Boulder. And I was finishing up my freshman year. We had a couple more uh, months to go. And our university started having protests and rallies all over the place. And we would carry signs and uh, meet. The students would meet and occupy the center square. And I got caught up in it. And, man, I felt like I had found my purpose in life fighting against the against the injustice of apartheid in South Africa. Like, I that was I, I found the whole reason I was born is to fight against injustice. And uh, it's true. It's wrong and, I, and everything. But anyway, they had built a shantytown. In fact, I got interviewed and was put in the paper. And uh, I have that paper at my home. My mom just gave it to me. She just reminded me of it. And I was laughing about it when I looked at my little 18-year-old self in that picture. Um, but anyway, my hopes and aspirations and purpose in life came to a screeching halt when I got a double ear infection because I was sleeping outside at 30, or 30 degrees in a shantytown. A shantytown, we built cardboard boxes that uh, were supposed to represent uh, the, the housing situation of the people in South Africa. So anyway, all that came to a halt. And uh, I had to do something else. My doctor said, you need to stay in your dorm, and you're not allowed to sleep outside in 30 degrees. Amen. We didn't have those really thick uh, uh, sleeping bags that they have here in Alaska. Anyway, after that, I mean, I was just on this fight. I was fierce. I wanted to fight for injustice. So after that, I started working at homeless shelters. I wanted to help people. And I uh, became an animal rights activist. And of course, I had to become a vegan because of that. I became a vegan for about four months or something. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I even bought a smoothie and went to a highfalutin mall where there were women that walked around with fur coats on. And no, I, I really did. I spilled the smoothie on purpose on somebody's mink coat. I was, act- I was being very active. <laughs> anyway, like that's going to change the world. The poor animal already gave up its life. And it what good did it do? But anyway, Lord, forgive me. I'm not sure I ever asked for forgiveness for that, but Lord, forgive me. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk to you today. You know, I, I, was, I was searching for something to give my life to. And, uh, you know, in each one of us, God has placed a ferocity, a, a sense of wanting to stand for something that's good. You know what I'm saying? It, God has put that on each, inside of each and every one of us. And I want to talk to you today on Mother's Day about being fierce in the fight. The word fierce, defined, comes from the Latin word ferus, which means wild animal. It means strong, dangerous, ready to roar. Fierce can also be used to mean intense. Yes, we we understand that. Uh, To be fierce is to be marked by unrestrained zeal or vehemence, extreme intensity of emotion or conviction, fervid, furiously active or determined, ferocious and forceful. Uh, and do we have any people like that in here? I don't know. You might not think of yourself that way, but you will. You might after this message. All right. Well, did you know that our God is fierce? All over the Bible, it talks about He is fierce in wrath against His enemies. Do you know what His enemies are? His enemies are sin and everything that hinders the relationship between you and Him. And. Uh, he's so fierce that he sent his one and only son. He loves you so fiercely that he sent his one and only son to die and take care of that sin problem so that you could be in relationship with him. God has called each and every one of us in this room to be fierce in the fight. Everybody say fierce in the fight. That's right. Every woman, every man, whether you're young or old, no matter what age you are, you're to be fierce in the fight. Throughout history, there have been people that have been fierce in the fight for freedom all over. And, uh, you know, there were freedom fighters, people that fought to throw off the yokes of tyranny. And some of my favorite uh, examples of those are, of course, I love the patriots in the Revolutionary War. I love the Revolutionary War period, that whole time period, and uh, how they fought to throw off the yokes of Great Britain. and they did. And here we are today. Uh, also, I love how I- I'm so inspired by the people in World War II that stood against the Nazi regime. People that were fierce. They, they might not be out there fighting out loud, but they hid away Jews and they stood for, stood for righteousness and fought against Hitler. Amen. So here we are. We're going to look at our text. we have two stories going on here. One of them is prose in chapter four that I just read. And the other one is a song or a poem that's in chapter five. And when you put the two of them together, you can see a very clear picture about what happens, but you got to put the two together. Israel's being oppressed by the enemy once again. It seems that Israel would sin and go through, uh, get Put in bondage, and this cycle would happen over and over for Israel. They would become, uh, go through periods of unbelief, great unbelief. They would begin to compromise, which led them to sin, which led them to be oppressed, which led them to cry out to the Lord, and God in His great mercy would send a deliverer. And at this time, Israel's being suppressed by Hazor, Jabin, the king of Hazor. Hazor. Uh, The fascinating thing about uh, that is that if you read back in Joshua 11, which is generations earlier, Joshua had already conquered the king of Jabin, the king of uh, the king, uh, Jabin, king of Hazar. Jabin is actually the uh, title that you give to the king of Canaan, just like you would give the, the ruler of Egypt the title Pharaoh. And so Joshua had utterly destroyed King Jabin generations before, but what happens now? They are once again King Jabin of Hazor. Hazor rises back up after they had been completely slaughtered. Everybody in that whole town or village or city or whatever it is had been completely wiped out. They hamstrung their horses and everything. You can go read it in Joshua 11, but a pretty brutal story, gruesome. But uh, they're dealing with this same group of people again. And it just reminds me of how if when we've been delivered of something, if we don't fight and be fierce in that fight to stay free and be free, that thing, and we go back, that thing can come up again, and we're going to have to deal with it all over again. It just reminds me of, of us. We have to be fierce in the fight. Amen. We have to be fierce to fight against our sin, about to be free and to stay free from sin. Amen. So God raises up Deborah. I love Deborah, I love the story of Deborah. She's the wife of Lapidith, who under the unction of the spirit, calls for Barak to lead an army to fight against Sisera. She was a prophetess. And one cool thing about Deborah is that both her and Samuel, the prophet Samuel, Samuel were the only prophets who uh, were both not only prophets, but they were judges at the same time. And she prophesized the word of the Lord, Barak, come fight against Sisera the general of the Canaanite army. You know, they had uh, 900 chariots of iron and that was an impossible task. Are you in your notes? Am I going too fast? All right, all right, we're in letter D, by the way. Oh, I don't know what your letter is, but mine is D. It's an impossible task. Because those 900 chariots back then in ancient times, they would put these blades of iron on the wheels. And so when they would go out to battle, they would literally mow down and cut their enemy to pieces. So they were a fearsome force to be dealt with. And it just looked like a completely uh, impossible situation. But when you, again, look at chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see what happens. It's pretty amazing. There they are on top of Mount Tabor. They run down the mountain. God had positioned the army of Sisera at the base of the mountain. And something that's amazing is that there's a, at the base of that mountain is a dry riverbed, which would be considered, it's called the River of Kishon. Even though there was no river there, it was a dry riverbank. And the heavens open the moment Barak starts running down that hill with those troops. The heavens open and a flash flood takes place. All those chariots get stuck in the mud, and they're just completely wiped out. Woo! God intervenes. He intervenes on behalf of the Israelites. Sisera runs away, and uh, he, he escapes. And he makes his way to a Kenite encampment, which is close by. And he, uh, Jael's there. She sees him. She, this is the story that we just read. She invites him into the tent. She says, oh, come on in here. You're going to be safe. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. You're going to be safe. Gives him him milk to drink when he's thirsty. Puts a blanket on him. He's probably soaking wet from the rain. And he falls into this deep sleep. And she gets this tent peg. I mean, she goes into stealth mode. Softly goes over there. I mean, you had to do that really fast. Do you think she could do it like slowly, like a hammer? No, I don't think so. It was one fell swoop. Bam! she did it. Drove, his, drove that thing right into the ground. And so Sisera the general is killed by Jael. Two people fierce in the fight for freedom. Both women, Deborah and Jael, both powerfully used to bring freedom and deliverance to Israel. Hallelujah. Well, what does that have to do with us today? You might be wondering, why am I telling you about this today? Well, I believe but God is speaking to us that there are seven things that are going to help us to be fierce. We have to be fierce. You know, we're in a spiritual battle, and God has called us to be fierce. You might just think that, you know, your difficulties that you're going through is just like part of life. But no, we are in a spiritual battle, and I believe these seven points are going to help us uh, to be fierce. Amen. Ready? Here we go. Number one, do not sin. Do not yield to sin. It brings bondage. You know, God doesn't wink in our sin. He doesn't think it's funny. You shouldn't dabble in it. He takes it very seriously, and we should too. He takes it so seriously that he sent his son Jesus's, Jesus to die for it. That's pretty serious. The wages of sin are death. Thank God for the gift of God in Christ Jesus that gives us eternal life, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't dabble in your sin. The fear of the Lord is what keeps you from sin. And we've gotta be a people with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Did you know that you can pray for the fear of the Lord? It's a gift, that's how you get it. You can pray, you ask God, give me the fear of the Lord. That's, That's a great prayer to be praying. Furthermore, reading the Bible, you will get the fear of the Lord. You read your word, it'll give you the fear of the Lord. If you continue to sin, if you continue, if you open up the door and dabble in it, your, uh, it, your heart will become insensitive to, to when you sin and to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. We've got to repent of our sin. We've got to deal with our sin. Listen, God will set you free from anything that you're controlled by if you'll let him. He'll let you, or he'll set you free. You have to be fierce in the fight against sin. Whew, everybody take a deep breath. All right, now look at your neighbor and say, oh... She must be talking to you today. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> All right. Well, number two, the second point here is very intense, also, or uh, important also. We have to take the lead to fight against evil in our own lives and in the life of our families. The Israelites were under the power of Jabin. Nobody was doing anything about it. They were in, being oppressed for 20 years. That's a long time. And finally, Deborah gets the word of the Lord. And under the power of the Spirit, she calls to Barak, to take action. If we don't stand, if we don't take a stand, you, me, the people, we have to be uh, fierce. And we have to stand. Otherwise, the people that we love, our families, our nation, our community is going to continue to stay in bondage. They're going to continue to stay in bondage. We have to be fierce. We have to be committed to serving him and living holy before him. Did you know that you're being fierce today? Because you're in church. You're honoring God. You're serving. You're giving. You're praying. You're worshiping. You're being fierce today. You might not feel very fierce. You might feel kind of like, oh, I'm wimpy. No, but you are. You're being fierce by being here. No matter what's going on on the inside of you, you showed up at church today. Amen. Being fierce is getting up in the morning to pray and shake heaven for the people that you love. That's being fierce. Have you seen uh, Lord of the Rings? I'm sorry, I'm ratting myself out. I'm not saying go see it or anything, but there is one part in that movie uh, that I really like. Gandalf the Grey is running through the minds of Moria with Frodo and all the hobbits and all those people, and all of a sudden they're being chased by Belrock, which is a demonic entity from that region. And Gandalf turns around as they all run away, and he takes his staff in his hand, and he says, you shall not pass. Go back to the fiery pit where you came from. Well, that is exactly how we have to be. We have got to tell the devil, you shall not pass. You are not allowed in my family. You are not allowed in my church. You are not allowed in my community. You're not allowed in my nation. Get out. And that's how we have to be in the authority that Jesus has given us in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Well, the third thing that God's saying to us is that God will give you a strategy. He's going to give you a stat- strategy just like he did Deborah. God had given Deborah a profound prophetic gift. Not only did she know who was going to lead, she called to Barak, but she knew the exact plan. 10,000 troops, top of Mount Tibor, Sisera's army is going to be positioned at the bottom, run down, and the Lord's going to deliver them into her hand. Well, I don't know about you, but if I was Barak, you know, praise God. He was a man of faith because, I mean, you had to be full of faith. That looked completely impossible. Can you imagine standing there at the top of that hill, looking down all those 900 chariots and that massive army below going, oh my gosh. Can you imagine what he must have thought? but what he didn't see behind him was a giant thunderhead getting ready to open up and pour down rain and cause a flash flood. And so he was a man of faith, amen. God had given Deborah the strategy and set it up so that at that particular moment in time, they were victorious. God has the victory for you in your family, in your business, in your marriage, in your, you know, in your situation, whatever situation you're going through. God has a strategy for you, and you've got to get it. You've got to seek the Lord, and you've got to get that strategy. You know what the problem is, is that, uh, I don't know about you, but I like things all planned out. Like, I'm, I like it all planned out. My husband, he's like the Holy Ghost guy. He just, I'm a Holy Ghost person too, but he likes, he just flows, and he's very spontaneous. I like things all planned out. When I'm going fishing or when I'm traveling, I don't like to just get my backpack and go. I've got to know where the bathrooms are, where's the food, where's the... Where's the porta potty? Uh, where's my tent? I mean, like, I've got to have it all organized. But we can, do, we can have that attitude with God, and we'll never do anything for him. We've got to believe that God has the strategy and trust him. Amen. And that brings me to the fourth point. God has the strategy, and our job is we have to be courageous. We've got to be courageous. Both Deborah and JL had to be courageous in this battle, in this fight, Women, and I know some of you are in the military, but I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself somebody who would love to go and stand out in the middle of, of a war. I'm not into that. You know, she had to be courageous. Deborah had to get with them and go out into the battle. That requires courage. Think about JL. Imagine if you're at home. And, and imagine if you're home, ladies. You're alone at home. And all of a sudden, the meanest, cruelest man in the entire world to you comes to your door, and you just open the door and just, come on in, come on in, come into my house. At any moment, he could have awakened and done whatever to her, and he could have killed her. She couldn't text her husband and say, oh my gosh, a, a sister is here, come, I need backup. She couldn't do that. There was no one she could text or call. She was all alone. That required great courage, and I mean, You know, I carry a a weapon occasionally, and I love to shoot, and I love to do all that stuff. I love it. It's so much fun. But I do it, and I hope that I never have to, like, use it on a person for self-protection. Amen? That takes courage. And what she did took great courage. And, you know, courage is not doing it and feeling like you should. People that win medals of honor never say that they weren't afraid. They just didn't let fear paralyze them. It's, it's, uh, doing it afraid as Joyce Myers says, right? Sometimes we feel like that wizard of Oz, that lion in the wizard of Oz, that trembling, terrified lion. Yeah. All of us feel like that sometime, but we're, we uh, we just do it afraid. We do it. And the Lord has the ability and will give us strength in whatever circumstance we need it. Amen. He's a faithful God. Next, you want to, uh, no, you, you don't say that you can't be used by God. You might feel, like I said, wimpy or weak or whatever in your flesh. Maybe you feel like you failed or whatever. But God, don't say that you can't be used by God. If anybody could say that they couldn't have been used by God, it was Deborah. But she put herself in a position to be used by the Lord. You know, in those times, she she was living in a patriarchal society. It was a time of patriarchs. Women were, I mean, if you want to know what it was like, think about how the Muslim women that are... Uh, in certain countries are today they're they're not they don 't have a voice they 're very um, oppressed and that 's the time that Deborah was living in and she allowed herself to be used by God and God raised her up to be a judge and a prophetess over the nation of Israel. A lot of people think that uh, there are some that think that women shouldn't be used in ministry, and I am totally going to go there for a second <laughs> okay i 'm going to go there when I first moved here I had people come up to my husband, we had people come up to my husband that said, women shouldn't be pastors. Women shouldn't be in ministry. They should, And sorry, but uh, they shouldn't, you know, they should be subject to men. They shouldn't speak out in the congregation. And I'm not going to go into detail because that's a totally different message. But the truth is, the truth is God doesn't feel like that. If that was the case, then he wouldn't have raised up Deborah right there. Right. And the New Testament has, sto- I mean, all kinds of stories about mighty women of God. The Bible's filled with them. But it, Philip had all these daughters that were prophetesses. Paul is writing a, list to, uh, a letter to the Romans, uh, writing to Rome, and he lists all these people that helped him in ministry, and they were women. Right? I'm so thankful for my pastor, who you are going to meet next weekend. Dr. Morocco, he has a, a team of women pastors and ministers and staff all over the world that, that uh, are amazing. We love the ministry of Heidi Baker. We love the ministry of Joyce Myers, like I said, the ministries of Catherine Coleman and all those great women that have gone to be with Jesus. We love them. God can use anybody. This is not about us. This is about what God's ability to use whatever and whoever he wants, if we will just allow him to. Amen. Amen. All right. Next page. Ready? All right. No matter who you are, God has a plan to use you to be fierce in the fight if you'll let him. Are you still with me this morning? Y'all need coffee? I need some coffee. All right. Just kidding. Nudge your neighbor next to him and make sure they're still awake here. All right. Give him a little nudge. All right. Number six, in spite of what your family does, keep your allegiance to the Lord. JL was a Kenite. Do you know who the Kenites were? The Kenites, uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was a Kenite, all right? And now at this time, they were aligned with Jabin, the king of Hazor. But Jael had an allegiance to the Lord. It reminds me of the fact that some of you in here might be the only person in your family that know the Lord and that are standing and fighting. And you're mocked, you're ridiculed, people ostracize you, they think you're weird, because you pray in the Holy Ghost, or because you love God, because you're committed to go to church more than one time a week on a Sunday morning, because you're involved in the life of the church, because you love Jesus, they think you're weird. But I'm going to encourage you today to stay in allegiance with the Lord, and God will use you to influence your family, influence your community, influence your workplace, influence your school. God will use you. Stay stay in alliance uh, alliance to the Lord. And he's going to use you to fight for the freedom she kept, because she kept her allegiance to the Lord, not only her and her husband were spared, she, spared she, she got them spared. They were aligned with Jabin, but they were spared because she aligned with Israel. She aligned with the people of Israel. Well, the Israelites, you know, and so she kept all of her people from being killed at that time. Amen? Amen. And finally, the seventh thing is, that God will fight for you. God is going to fight for you. You know, um, in chapter five, in that song, uh, it talks about cursed be marrows. And that's one of the tribes, some of the people of God who were uncommitted and they chose not to be fierce in the fight. When they called for help, they chose not to come. There might've been many reasons why they chose not to come. Uh, Maybe it was because they, they had a problem with a woman in ministry. <laughs> they didn't believe the word of the Lord that came through Deborah. You know, maybe they were in such a place of fear and unbelief that they just didn't believe that anything that they did mattered or that God was not going to come through for them. Whatever the reason is, is that they had the sin of being uncommitted and the sin of being lukewarm and careless. And they didn't come to the aid of the Lord. It doesn't say that you didn't come to the aid of the Lord's people You didn't come to the aid of the Lord. That's a scary place to be. The the moment that Barak obeyed Deborah, God stepped in and joined the fight. You might feel like you're alone today, but you just take steps to do what God has called you to do and, and obey the word of the Lord, and God will join the fight for you. Amen? He's waiting on us to obey. Everything in God demands faith. Faith is action, taking action to do what you feel like God has called you to do. Amen. Let's, let's review seven things, the seven things. Number one, don't sin. It brings bondage. Number two, take the lead in your family to fight evil. Number three, God will give you a strategy. Number four, be courageous. Number five, don't say I can't be used. Come on, you guys got your notes? Number six, in spite of what your family does... Keep your allegiance to the Lord. And number seven, God will fight for you. You are not alone. God will take up that fight for you. I'm gonna tell you a story uh, right now of one of my favorite women who was so fierce, and she's not alive anymore, but I'm gonna tell you the story. You can go ahead and play it, brother Toby. Yeah, in 1916, a little girl named Esther was born. And When she was two years old in 1918, uh, the influenza epidemic came around and her mother died. She was only two years old. And her father uh, married, uh, got a mail order bride and sent away and got this lady who was about 20 years younger than him, didn't even know her. And as uh, Esther began to grow up, things became kind of strained at home. And um, when she was nine years old, she had a, frightening experience where she was laying in bed at night one night and uh, she saw a demon at the foot of her bed. It was snarling and it was trying to get at her. You know, she still didn't understand about God, She but she knew that there was evil. She didn't know about God. When she was 14 years old, things had gotten so bad at home. You know, that that stepmom, the you know, Esther was the child of another marriage. And so the woman had torn up the pictures of the, her mom. It just got to be abusive and very dysfunctional. So when she was 14, she went to live with the Jenkins family. And she worked as a maid for them. And uh, they were Presbyterians. And uh, so she found out about Jesus. And in fact, she became so religious that she uh, uh, actually started teaching Sunday school. After she graduated from high school, she decided that she wanted to go to Bible college. And Being a woman in that time, that age and day, college was not like a really popular thing that women did. But nonetheless, she decided she wanted to go, and she knew she was going to need money. So she contacted her biological mother. uh, Excuse me, her mom was with Jesus. Uh, She uh, contacted her aunt, her biological aunt, and uh, they said, come on, come live with us. Well, unbeknownst to them, uh, to Esther, they were spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Pentecostal Christians. In fact, those people drove her nuts because they just talked about Jesus all the time. After attending church for a few months, she was sitting in the parlor of the home and she was alone. And a cloud came into that room. And the cloud parted and a single drop of blood came out towards her and touched her. And she heard these words. It's the visions that she had. She heard the words, the blood of Jesus, God's Son cleanses from all sin. And she just was like in shock and didn't know what to do. And after that, she heard Literal words, if you had been the only person on the earth, I would have died for you. She had an encounter with God. And all that life of dysfunction and the rejection that she had, she had a moment right then when she experienced the love of God for the first time, and it just healed her. Six months later, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and something unusual happened. She started singing in the spirit, this song that she'd never heard before, but it was a tune. She just started singing the song uh, in the spirit. And a week later at church, her pastor, the pastor of that Pentecostal church began to sing that song in in English. And it just completely freaked her out. But it was the song called, let the lower lights be burning, which is a song about missions. And uh, you know, at that point she knew that God had called her into missions. And so she went, she wanted to go to Bible school. Remember she's there to work but she still didn't have enough money for tuition. So one of her friends said, hey, you should just send in your application to Central Bible Institute with your $10 fee in faith and see what God will do. Well, a few, le- a few months later, she gets a letter back saying, hey, we're so happy, you wanna to come to our school, congratulations, all of your tuition has been paid in full, all of it for all the years of your school. So she went to college and she's in Bible school And she's in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden, um, she's just, the Holy Spirit comes on her with great power. She begins to pray in tongues, in fervently. And there's a woman there, a young woman who's there. And the woman says, Esther, you are praying in the Hindi language for the people of India. You are called to be a missionary to India. Not long after that, she meets a man named Dan Morocco and they get married and they become missionaries. They conceived Dr. James Morocco, our pastor. They moved to the Philippines after establishing two giant works in India, some of the largest ones in the, in the nation. They, and they pastored churches in the Philippines. And then they moved uh, the back to the States. And James Morocco and Pastor Colleen, after they get married, they go to Maui. Their son, Esther's son, goes to Maui and they start King's Cathedral and chapels. And that is where Pastor Daniel and I got saved and we got born again. And I am, yes, it is such a, a powerful story. You know, I left out one critical thing which I want to tell you about, which is that Esther didn't have the money to go to school, but there's a little lady named Latona Gunn who had paid her tuition, and she Esther never got to meet this lady until she graduated. And she uh, came up to her, and she was this little lady, a little lady who was a single woman, who was a maid. And Latona Gunn, and she literally saved every penny she had every time that she had to pay for Esther's school, and she met her at graduation. Latona was fierce. She sacrificed so that she could send this girl to school, and look at the heritage of what she did. Look at what Esther Morocco did. Dr. Morocco tells stories about her on her face with her Bible open, praying, weeping for her family, for her husband, for the people, thousands and thousands of people of those nations. We are today, her legacy lives on. Her legacy lives on because she chose to be fierce. She chose to fight because Latona guns sacrifice. Sacrifice is fierce. That's being fierce. Latona didn't know, and neither did Esther, but their choice to be fierce in the fight affected generations, people and generations later. And it's the same thing with you. I'm so thankful today. God is raising up a people like you. And me, who are going to be fierce in the fight. We are going to be fierce in the fight. Anybody in here just going to say, I am going to be fierce in the fight? Come on, let's just stand to our feet. We want to just lift our hands in the Lord. Lord, you are such a great God. Let's just worship Him for a moment. This. of the uncommitted. We're going to be fierce in fighting for our loved ones. We're going to be fierce in fighting for our families. Lord, for our city, for our community, for our schools, and for our nation, we commit just afresh to you today, and we just thank you that you're giving us the strength, you're giving us the strategy, and we just declare that we love you, and we're going to do all we can for you today, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Did you get something from the Lord today? Amen. Did you get encouraged? To start in about 20 minutes, uh, let's just uh, pray. Father, I thank you for your word that's gone for today. And God, I pray that you would bless your people, cause your face to shine upon us, lift your countenance, uh, lift up your countenance towards us, be gracious to us, keep us, and give us peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen and amen." Happy Mother's Day to you. We'll see you tonight. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, You can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.